receive the offering. As they do that, I'm going to invite uh, one of our elders, Thomas Varghese, is going to come. He's going to get us ready and get into God's word to teach us today. Thank you, brother. How's everybody doing? Jack, you got into my preaching time. <coughs> it's all right. I have to tell you, um, we used to go to church together, and uh, one of my dear friends who's teaching Sunday school class uh, got saved, Tim Fortner. He uh, went to a hotel to end his life, jump off the balcony, and something held his hands down, couldn't do it. He went back to his room, opened the drawer, found a Bible, got saved on the spot. And uh, over the years, he's been a wonderful teacher and disciple so many uh, led to the Lord. So the Word of God does its job. We just have to be able to be available to send it out. Amen? Whatever may pass, whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. <clears throat> it's a tall order sometimes. Well, joy can't be destroyed by feelings. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If we have the joy in our hearts and our minds, the feelings may yo-yo. <clears throat> But whatever may pass, whatever lies before us, we will be singing when the evening comes. Amen? So, <clears throat> today, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place. And if we run over a little bit, catch Brother Jack and beat on him a little bit. <clears throat> Matthew 11, 25 through 30. That's not the right thing. All right. Well, that's a good start. All right. That is the wrong reference. But I will read the right one. <laughs> I somewhere in my copy and paste it got lost, I guess. Come to me, all you are weary. And burden. Somebody find that for me and let me know where that's at. That's further down. Okay. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's complicate this. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Is that difficult to understand? <clears throat> so if we find ourselves in periods of life when the reverse is true, then we check ourselves and see what's going on. What are we yoked to? What's causing us this burden? You know, for many years, <clears throat> I've prepared myself uh, teaching and reading and all these kind of things, you know, as the Word tells us to do. You know, we all like to do that, to be powerful people for the Lord, right? 
We don't want to be left any stone unturned if we're ser serious about it. But really, the only thing that's important enough to do is what the Lord asks you to do. Everything else is a waste of time. You might think it looks good. It may even be good. But if Jesus didn't ask you to do it, you're wasting your energy and your time and resources that he's given you. Okay? So, we're sometimes agitated about life. We are like up and down and we're discouraged and we're encouraged and somebody says a good word, we're feeling good. Somebody says a bad word, we're feeling down. You know, somebody says something to cuts in front of us in the traffic, we're heathen and, you know, all those kind of things. So, what drives us? I think a lot of times where we place our expectations aren't really in line with what the Lord is actually trying to tell us. And when those expectations aren't met, we will always be disappointed in other people, in ourselves, or, you know, whatever it is. Okay? I like the song you guys speak about, you don't hide yourself to tease us. Jesus didn't come and say, you know, I'm here to save you. I want you to do my work. Go figure it out. I'll come back and see how you're doing. The Lord, who spoke the whole universe into existence in position, does not leave these kind of things to chance. He does not leave your life to chance either. Psalm 139, what does it say? All the days of my life were known to you before even one of them came to be. Right? That's pretty mind-boggling. It means that Jesus knows when you're going to be born. He knows when you're going to die. He knows exactly. Then the verse that we always hear all the time, I know the plans I have for you, they're not for evil, they're for good, right? So what we have to learn to do when we're reading scripture is not build theology and our doctrine on one verse. You have to see what the whole word of the Lord says concerning that matter. And when you do, it will start to make more sense to you. It's like a big tapestry. You don't look at one little piece of it and go, oh, that's a great tapestry, do you? Or a painting. No, you step back and look at the picture and you go, whoa, that's an awesome painting. If you just take one dot or two or three or four or five out of it, you don't see a painting. And life is like that. And the word of God is like that. What does scripture itself tell us? It's all of scripture, right? Is given to us for what? All. It's all. There's a reason why God uses the word all. So if you're a New Testament person, you need to start learning the Old Testament a little bit. As a matter of fact, you don't understand anything in the New Testament if you don't know your Old Testament. When Jesus showed up, was the New Testament around? Well, how do they know who Jesus was? Nothing's changed. But New Testament tells that now we have a much clearer, it's like you're waiting to hear the news, then the news happens. When it happens, it creates its own witness. And the New Testament is a witness to the Old Testament for the word that was foretold, what was given, saying, this is what is going to happen. Jesus shows up, it happens, and now we have a sign, a true sign. It's like you build, a, you say, well, I'm going to build a house. And so that's a great house, it's a great painting, but nobody knows what the house looks like. 
When it goes up, you look at it and go, oh, wow, okay, this is your house. I'm trying to make this easy. We complicate things too much. But we also have to understand that all of the Word of God is important for us to understand. If we want to know where we're going, we need to know where it came from. All right, I didn't make this up. So, you know the story about the two people on the road to Emmaus, right? And they were reading the Word of God, right? Not your head. And they were perplexed. They didn't understand what was going on. Then what happens? Jesus shows up. And what does he do? He sh- it says what? I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he's, he showed them where all the scriptures talked about him. In what? In the Psalms, the law, and the prophets. And what is that? Jesus himself used that to show that it was talking about him. Right? Now, these guys didn't have the epistles, right? Epistles aren't the wife of the apostles. They're books in the Bible. <clears throat> but anyway, bad joke. Yes, it's okay. Um, all the gospels are revelation. They didn't have any of that. So I'm, I'm trying to like draw some things in here. So we go through life. We have all these things happen. And we're like, we're not sure. But you know, God has already figured all this out. He just needs us to listen to the instructions so that we can see what he's already figured out. Paraphrased, revelation, illumination, the Holy Spirit guiding. Okay. So life is not very complicated that way. Now, if we're trying to figure out what's going on, where is your greatest joy in your life? Think about it for a minute. I'm not talking about what makes you happy. Where is the joy in your life? What makes you complete? So regardless of what your profession is, regardless of what your age is, regardless of what your personality is, what makes you complete is conforming to the design the Lord foreordained for you before one of your days ever came to be. Are you getting this? So most Christians have an okay plan and a good plan and a best plan. God's plan is the best plan. A lot of us settle for the good one because it makes sense to us. Our rationale, these are the deductions. Like if I do this, God's going to bless us. It's all fine and good. But we preempt the Lord in our daily living a lot of times. So the God who ordained, who knew all the days of your life, the ordained before every of them, one came to be, has also a plan for the days that are come to be, right? And you'll find fulfillment in your life and satisfaction by conforming to that plan. Doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or no money. Doesn't matter if you're a success in the world's eyes. Like, if you will stick with the Lord's plan, you will always be in the right place, and there will be joy in your life and contentment. All right? I didn't make that up either. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10.
For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. All right. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God, what does it say next? Prepared in advance for us to do. You don't have to go make up any work for Jesus. He already knows what you're capable of doing. He's prepared all these things ahead of. So we waste a lot of energy spinning our wheels trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? How do you know what to do? Or to follow Jesus' method, which is very simple. He says the son knows what to do because why? The father has shown him everything what to do. So Jesus set the example for us. It's in John. He went to the father. He says, Father, what am I to do? Father says, do this. And Jesus goes, okay, I'll do that. Holy Spirit empowers. The word of the father comes. Right? And he does it. So you remember the passage where Jesus sent out his disciples, right? He says, now go. What do you say? Heal the sick. Right? Raise the dead. All those kind of things, right? So a lot of times, we, we, this is how the way we live our lives. Well, I'm going to send you out in the world. Yeah, maybe you'll heal some people. Yeah, maybe you'll raise the dead. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Come back and let me know. That is not what Jesus said. His command was an imperative, which means, and he told his disciples, not only will you do the things I'm doing, but you'll do what? So what's wrong with this picture? You cannot figure this thing out, folks. All right, I'm going to digress a little bit because I feel like, okay, how many of you know where the wind comes from? How many of you know where it's going? When is the only time you experience the wind? When you feel it. Before or after, you have no idea. What did you say about the Holy Spirit? So we have to change our lives, our expectations, our priorities, the way we think about things to the point that we know and we're touched by the wind of the Spirit. The moment he touches us and you get up and go, you are invincible. My word will accomplish, Jack read that earlier, the task for which it goes. Not only the written word, which is the logos, but the rhema, the word that he gives us in our mouth, which is a spoken word. We are what? We are made in the image of God Almighty. And we are no more greater in the image of God than we speak words of life. Let there be light. Let there be, what does Ephesians tell us? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, which is the same power that created the universe, is the same power that dwells in us. Don't be afraid. Well, like Pastor Jeremy likes to say, don't be afeared, scared. I'm sorry. Right? All right. So this is a lot of us. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. This will all make sense if we just think of it all at once. The word of the Lord came to me saying, okay, 
let me actually start start that a little bit earlier Okay, no, that's fine. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. How many times is God saying this in scripture? Right? I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So this is our response. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. The rhema word of God comes from the Lord touching our mouth. And what does it do to us? And said to me, I have put... My words in your mouth. This is no ordinary word, folks. This is not like saying, let's go get a hamburger. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Who will you bless on earth? I will bless. Who will you curse? I will curse. These are very important things. We have to be careful what we say to people and about people. Because the Lord honors your word. If you say a bad word, it'll come to pass. All right. Is there more to that? Was that all of it? All right. Yeah, there's a little bit more. Then the Lord reached out, touched my mouth, and said to me, I put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. All right, let's take these in order. That's a pretty, go on, go on to the next page. Just think about what that verse is saying. He says, you're not a child anymore. Go say what I tell you to do. Now, what happens is I'm sending you to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow and what's the last thing? So the, the intention is not destruction. What did you say? I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, right? When God gets done with his work, it is always redemptive in nature. Even if he spanks you, afterwards you'll be better off for it. If you receive a word and it doesn't leave you better off, it is not from the Lord. It is a condemning word from the enemy. He'll use the same words to tear you down. Don't let that enter. So, uproot and tear down. What does the New Testament tell us? We take every thought captive. We tear down pretensions, strongholds. All right. So, one of the things that we need to learn to do is not to look at world in a three-dimensional way. Some of you heard me harp on this. Get to meet in my house, primarily. We live in a dimension that we perceive X, Y, and Z, right? Height, width, depth. And all our responses react 
to what we perceive and experience of that. When it comes to things of the spirit, you only see the symptoms of those things in the X, Y, and Z dimension. The real activity is in the spirit world, which encompasses this dimension that we live in. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but what? Principalities and powers and spiritual corruption high places, right? That is always going on around us. And all the things you see happening in the world are a result of what happens in that war in that room. This is why prayer is so important. It's the only thing that wins up there. So don't think that a prayer is insignificant, even if it's a small one. Because if the Lord gives you a prayer and it can tear down and destroy, you can say the word and it'll be done. What did the centurion say to Jesus? Lord, Lord, just say the word and all will be done. Well, he hasn't given us anything different. The same Holy Spirit sent us. So, you remember the story in the Old Testament about Elisha. And the city was all surrounded. I think somebody spoke about it recently, right? I mean, you may have. And the servants all frightened because of all these armies surrounding the city. And, oh, no, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, we're going to be okay. And he doesn't know why. So he takes them up to the rooftop, and what does he say? Lord, open his eyes. When he sees that, all of a sudden his perspective is different. He goes, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, everything's cool. That is the real world, folks. We need to stop living in this dimension, thinking in this dimension, and reacting to things that way. So if somebody comes and rubs you the wrong way, or you know that the spirit is like not right, right? Don't condemn them. Don't judge them. Right? I don't get angry at my dog for barking instead of talking to me. It's a dog. All it knows to do is bark. It will never talk to me. I can beat it all I want to. I can throw things at it. I can hurt it. It'll just keep barking. Don't treat people like that. Those who are controlled by the enemy and by sin are always going to produce the same fruit. But the fruits of the Spirit are different. So it should take us out of this whole judgment, blame game completely. And you can see now why Jesus had compassion on the people. Even on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. It is the truth. Because the eyes, the God of this world, he says, is blind in the eyes of people and their hearts, right? So... We are, the we are the intercessors. We have the power because God's touched our tongue to tear those walls down. And if you ever go into somebody and it seems like all your scriptures just bouncing off of them, right? Stop talking to them. Just close your eyes or don't close your eyes for a second and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I take this and the response of the Spirit captive. I pray that the ears be open in the name of Jesus and the word go into them. You start talking and they'll be a different person. I've seen this on countless occasions. Because... The power of the word in your mouth that the Lord has given you releases that person from the stronghold the enemy has put in their life, which prevents them from receiving the blessing that the Lord has for them. We're all life givers, folks. This is what Jesus meant, out of you will flow rivers of living water. We're all little ETs, you know, 
flower comes up. I don't know. If you haven't seen E.T., it doesn't make sense. Go home and watch it. It's a good Christian movie. <laughs> made by Disney. <coughs> All right. Uproot and tear down, destroy, overthrow, to build and to plant. These are all processes that the Lord has given us. All right. Now, sometimes you go, well, I really don't know what to do. All right, that's okay. We don't have to figure it out. John chapter 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into 25% of the truth. And the rest, you'll figure it out. I don't know, it doesn't say that. Typos. All the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what? Of what he hears, and he will tell you. What will he tell you? Things that are yet to come. Don't say, I don't know, and sit down. Say, Holy Spirit, show me what is yet to come. So I have this gift with work. My brain goes through contingency plans, how something's going to follow through like a million miles a minute. So by the time, I'm not saying this is a boast, it's a gift the Lord has given me that I found out much later on. So by the time you go through two or three scenarios, I've probably gone through about 50 or 60. And then because of that, it seems like I'm slow to make a decision. It's not. I'm making a lot more decisions in the same amount of time. So sometimes something will happen, and I go, that's going to break in six months. Nobody else sees it. Okay? This is Jesus math. Nobody else sees it. You say it's going to happen. because, Oh, man, everything looks good. It's not going to happen. Six months down the road, it breaks. Of course, I know it's going to break. So I've already got a plan for the break. So, okay, here's how we fix it. Oh, man, Thomas, man, I don't know how you do that. It's so good. It's my value to the world. My break fix. And I'm going, I don't want to say I told you so, especially to your bosses. They don't like hearing that. <laughs> the Lord will show you. Not only just in spiritual things, but in everyday practical matters, things that are yet to come. Psalms tell us what? Don't be like the mule that just lacks understanding. But think, right? All right. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eyes on you. Look, guys, it's all there. So, also, I want to encourage you to do something. Please stop depending on your pastor to fill your heart with the Word of God. Okay? If you are in a real job, and this is the only amount of time and training you took, you would do a miserable job of what you're doing. Sunday mornings for 45 minutes, 
once a week. None of you will be able to do the job that you're doing properly if that's all the time you're going to spend on it. Well, we do it for everything else. We'll spend hours. I mean, I'm like, I research hours, woodworking. Yeah, how's this joint work? I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's 8 o'clock when I start, and then when I look up, it's 12 midnight. I'm going, oh, my goodness, four hours on this stupid thing? Why do we treat it differently? Why do we cheapen grace? Why do we cheapen that the Lord has given? Just because it's free doesn't mean it doesn't have value. It's free because we can't afford it. If you could afford it, you could buy it. What shall a man pay? Give for his soul. What is the ransom? It's not cheap, folks. It costs Jesus everything. Somebody pay the price. What do they say? Ain't no free lunch. Bad English and all. Yes, I'm a lit major saying ain't. <coughs> But here's the encouragement for you. You do not have to depend on human beings all the time. Part of the new covenant, right? Written in Jeremiah 31, 33 is what? This is the covenant I will make. Do you, do you have that one? I will make with the people of Israel. Oh, by the way, anytime you hear Israel in the Old Testament, it's a church. All the promises are good for them. A yes and amen for us also. If Jesus told the disciples it's good for you, it's good for us. If you don't believe that, read John chapter, I'm trying to think. This is long prayer, it's all in red. And he says, I not only pray for you, but for those who will believe. That's right. So we're descendants of those who believe. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me. Right? From the least of them to the greatest. Then. There's another section in Jeremiah I'm thinking of. Where God says, I, you will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you come to the right or come to the left. So God's not leaving us without instructions. Is that Jeremiah? That's Jeremiah. Or is it Isaiah? It's Isaiah. I'm sorry. I've lost my verse somewhere. But <clears throat> anyway, what I'm saying is this, that God knew you before you were born. He knew all the days are going to be. He has plans for the days for when you're born. Not a single person in here is insignificant. Don't think, oh, man. I mean, I don't have, I can't sing, I can't, you know, shout, I can't dance, I can't hold a tune, I can't teach. The word can't, the word can't doesn't exist in Jesus' vocabulary. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can't is an excuse waiting for you to sit down on your butt and not do anything. Get off your royal duff and get a move on. 
You don't need to know everything. You only need to know enough to take the next step. Your word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, when I was growing up, we lived in Nepal. And I know literally what that means. Yeah, there's a little lantern. You don't see more than three or four feet in front of you. It's all dark. There's no ambient light. There's no city lights. There's nothing. If you want to see what's over here, you have to move the lamp over this way. There's no fog lights to show you what's going on. And unless we treat the Word of God as it tells us, that means that I'm going to give you enough to take the next few steps. So when I get over here, I can see there. But if all you do is sit here saying, I can't, well, you won't. Make a move. I don't care what it is. God tells you to pray for somebody, pray. If he tells you to give somebody, there is no such thing as a holier work in God's work, okay? If Jesus said, if you give somebody who's thirsty a cup of cold water in my name, what he said, you give it to me. A simple thing like that. Don't complicate it. Don't wait till you have an MDiv or an engineering degree or whatever it is or a million bucks to start working for the Lord. The Lord's not going to give you any more till you do something with what you have. I always used to think that was unfair. You know the parable of the talents, right? You guys okay? I know we're running a little over. I'm going to wrap it up soon, promise, in the next 30 minutes or so. <clears throat> um, right? He gave all these people talents. And there was one guy, he didn't do anything with it. He hit it on the ground and thought, you know, I can't really do anything with this, so I'm just going to preserve it. And what was the end result? What did you say? To him who has... Much more will be given, and to him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. That should sober us up real fast. I said, well, Lord, that's not fair. I mean, why does the guy who has more, why are you giving him more? Don't can't anything. I have to tell myself that. I can't, I can't, I can't. I tell my kids, you know, when they grumble and complain. Don't be grumblers and complainers. You will all die in the desert and not cross over the river. Forty years of walking and they didn't cross over because they were whiners. And complainers, and unbelief. What complaining and grumbling is, is a sign of unbelief. But, 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 every time God says something, you say, but, you're saying you don't know what you do. I mean, yeah, I, I know you're God, but. Is he God or is he not? As Elijah says, maybe Baal's taking a nap. Is God God or he's not? Call on him. Our God consumes not only the sacrifice, but the altar and everything around it. That's the way he operates. So don't, don't be shy. Don't be obnoxious. 
be bold, be strong, and do what the Lord asks you to do, whether it's small, large, insignificant. It doesn't matter. Your evaluation of the circumstance is pointless. Just do it. Why? Because Jesus asked you to do it. If Jesus showed up right now and said, hey, I need you to go stand out of the road and just wave your hands. There's nobody there. Just stand there and wave. What would you do? Would you do it if he literally just showed up, right? Well, he is. His Holy Spirit's telling us to do stuff like that all the time. Just because, this is what I mean. We have to stop thinking in the three dimensions. What is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? Just do it. Move and things will change. Okay? So the same God who knows all the days numbered for you is also the same one who has prepared all the good works for you to do in advance. You are of significance in God's kingdom. You're not an accident. You didn't just happen to show up because God knew that. He has placed you in this world. We are a people for a season and a time. And where you are now is where you are. <laughs> he didn't call you 50 years ago. He's not going to call you 100 years from now. Now, where you are, is the kingdom of God is at hand in your life. And that's where you need to move. Be encouraged. God is for us. Who can be against us? Why do we live like spiritual wimps when our Father is the Almighty God, the creator of heaven, the one who says, yeah, go take the city. He's not sending you into ruin. There's a war going on, folks. It's in that dimension outside. I think some time back, I may have been Hershey or somebody said, but when you're freezing, but the gospel, I mean, the violent take it. It's not talking about killing people. It's talking about war up in the spiritual realm. I want to give you a word of encouragement from Psalm 23. At the very end. You prepare a table for me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. Our life is always in the presence of our enemies. There are only two kinds of people in this world. Only two kinds. Those who know Jesus and those who don't. Period. Simplify your outlook on people. Do they know Jesus? They're with you. They don't know Jesus, they're with the devil. Not maybe of their own intention, but that's who controls their lives. And that's all there is. If you know they're not with Jesus, then all the things they're going to do are going to be anti-Jesus. They might be nice and smiling, but the psalm says they lie and wait to shed innocent blood. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So this is my little creative self taking some liberty with Psalm 23. So I like medieval type stories. Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite movies. So whenever I s read a verse like this, my brain's going crazy. So if we're in the middle of Mordor with all these things around us, you know, right? And Jesus and I are in the middle of this thing, all this noise going on, and he says, hey, how about some lunch? 
That's literally what he's saying. And you're like it, like Peter and said, don't you see the storm around us? Don't you see we're going to drown? He says, he says, don't you see what's going on around us? Jesus, how about some lunch? You haven't answered my question. How many of you have prepared a table for somebody to eat? It's a process. Set the chairs, tablecloth down, put the dishes in place. All the while, war is going on around us. What is, Jesus, what is God trying to tell us? He has it under control. And we don't need to lose it. Sit down. Have a meal. Jesus will wake up and go. I mean, the enemy is not going to get you. But today is not that day. Oh, never mind. Those have seen that line <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's not that day. Jesus will get up from his nap and say, peace, be still. And it's gone away. Please don't agitate yourself on behalf of the enemy. He doesn't need any help. Stick to what the Lord is telling you. Believe it. When the word comes to your mouth, open it and speak it. And it will do what it's supposed to do. It's not based on how good you are, how skilled you are, how much you know, how much you don't know. It's based on who you are. God is trusting you as his child to speak the word that he puts in your mouth to whoever he sends you to. All you have to do is show up and say boo, and the enemy will scatter. Amen? I hope you're encouraged. You're not spiritual wimps. You're children of the king of the universe. You're sons and daughters of the most high. You have a place in God's kingdom. His thoughts towards us are like what? The sands. Not just one. You can't count them. They're countless. It hurts the Lord when we don't trust him. And you limit his work when you don't trust him. You put a box around the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will most of the time stay in that box. He's like, you know, he's like the genie in the bottle. I mean, you got to let him out. First rule. For letting the Holy Spirit work in your life, you have to make room for him. And don't say if ands or buts or can't. What if he tells you to do something really crazy? Well, what if, what if he does? The Bible's already called you crazy. You're a peculiar people, is what it says. So be peculiar. Stop being normal. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I just thank you. A lot of things are said. But I pray your word will be planted in the hearts and bear fruit in this new season, Father. Lord, I pray that you teach us to be childlike. Jesus, you said, unless you're like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And today, Lord, I pray that you would make us like children when it comes to believing what you say and to acting on what you say, Father. Lord, I pray that you would put life into us and that we'd be equally careful to pass it out, Father. Lord, you give us freely, help us to freely give. And Lord, help us to be bold. 
and to be strong and to be courageous, that we will be like Joshua, who yet enters. Be strong and courageous. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be strong and courageous. And Lord, our spirit is willing. A lot of times our flesh is weak because we are people and we're frail. But I pray in those moments that you would tap us on the shoulder and say, I am with you. Do not fear. And you help us to see the reality of that dimension, Lord. So, Father, I pray that your will be done and your kingdom come in all of our lives. And may we, may we be a power for you, Lord. Let the enemy scatter when we approach the war, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I take this promise that you've given us and I proclaim it as yes and amen over our lives. Lord, we just bless you and we thank you. Thank you for your word that you do not hold anything against us, but you wash us and cleanse us and remove all our iniquities away from us. And you call us your children and you clothe us with your righteousness and you give us life and not death. We bless your holy name. Whatever my past, whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes, Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul. I'll worship your holy name.